Hi guys, hello and welcome to episode number five of Shelf Impactors. Um, today I'm going to be interviewing Andy Pendlebury. Andy is a very talented and extremely experienced photographer with uh, an exceptional background in commercial photography. Much of his work is used in the marketing and packaging for food products. Andy's studio, a photography studio, is based in Nottingham in the UK. Uh, it's a large warehouse style photography studio. Um, which includes full kitchen facilities and food preparation areas, which he uses for most of his photography projects. Andy's impressive work and portfolio, uh, his client base include brands such as Cadbury's, Kenko, Levi Roots uh, and Weight Watchers. Hello, Andy. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, so thank you for your time today. No problem. Um, so would you be so kind and to tell the listeners a little bit more about you, Andy, um, how you got into photography uh, and how you became a professional photographer. Right, yes. Well, I'm from Nottingham originally. Um, my father, I guess, introduced me to photography. He had a keen interest and um, uh, during my early teens, he built a small black and white darkroom. So we, uh, he knew previously, but we learned together how to uh, print, take and print black and white photographs, which was great. Uh, and then from there, I did a bit at school. Um, went went after A levels, went straight to um, further education, and mm -hmm. ended up studying photography up in Newcastle, uh, where I did an HND. Uh, so four years in training, mm -hmm. and then looking obviously looking for a job. Uh, spent all that time trying to be creative and abstract and creating beautiful imagery, but then realizing you have to make money. Yeah. So, uh, ended up sweeping the floors and picking up Polaroids, back in those days, okay. uh, off the floor in the studio, uh, which is a great experience. I got a job in a catalogue style studio uh, in Nottingham. Uh, I was second assistant to three photographers, so it was back when there was, there was money in the business. Mm. Um, it, was, it was wonderful. I mean, it was wonderful in the fact of learning that money could be made out of you out of your craft, out of your passion. Yeah. Obviously you have to not necessarily photograph everything you want to photograph, but that's how businesses run. So I spent a year and a half in this studio, in that, sorry, in that studio environment. Mm -hmm. I moved across town to another photographer's who was looking for a junior photographer. He was himself, uh, just himself as a photographer. Uh, and he wanted to, he was essentially looking to get out of the business. So I, I came on as a junior photographer, and after a couple of years, I took over the photography. What sort of photography were you working at the time? What sort of um, you shooting? Again, much like my, at the start, it was very much um, catalogue-style yeah. photography. So we would get, let's say, a, a two-month booking to do a load of curtains and a load of bedroom sets yeah. and lots of lace hangings and sort of things like that. So fairly repetitive work, but work and, yeah. uh, and interested it was a case of using light uh, and making things stand out and making something proud which was which was great learning the ropes yeah absolutely yeah, of course. yes uh, uh, and then also getting paid at the end of the day yeah. was you know was you know a great realization yeah. it was a great uh, great out from it uh -huh. <laughs> and where did you go after that uh, so then at the second studio in Nottingham as I said, the photographer really was looking for a way out of mm. the industry. He wanted to go on to do for something else. Um, so I built up a relationship with the clients he had, and therefore and clients that we grew together, 
we became a partnership and did little forays in London and I um, did some work with a few agencies in London and then took over the whole business. Fantastic. And so stayed, stayed in the studio that we were sharing then yeah. uh, and that was, that is now 19 years ago. So, wow. Uh, Few uh, few things have happened since. <laughs> yeah, of course. So fast forwarding to today, where yeah. here we are in your fantastic studio setup. Now, what I want to talk about a little bit here, and you've touched on it, or we've touched on it a little bit there, is there's lots of different photography specialisms, areas in which certain photographers specialise in. So you have the wedding photographers, and you might have um, the landscape photographers. Now, I've only ever worked with you in the sort of food specialism, specialism area. Can you talk to me a bit more about that? Is that your the only area you work in, or any other areas? What 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 are your favourite areas to be working in for as far as photography goes? Well, food food is certainly my passion. Food mm-hmm. is is my aim to yeah. try and get every every food client and come down and enjoy the the job the environment. Right here. Yeah, but um, that's that's not really viable. Mm. You know, as a commercial business, you do still have to open the door to anyone and yep. that sort of thing. I understand. Uh, do pride myself on not turning anyone away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but realistically, my passion is still life. I'm, yeah. I'm not a, a quick fashion photographer. I'm not a wedding photographer. I prefer focusing on something, ha- having a plan, uh, lighting it, yeah. creating, creating something 3D that ends up being 2D. Yeah, no, I understand. So really bringing something to life. And if you have a client who comes in with something that can generally be quite mundane um, and you and they leave the studio with something that's salivating, yeah. you've won. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, so, and how often do you get involved in food photography then? Do you find that's your main um, type of project you get to be working on? Or is it a genuine mix food of both? Is gen- I've sort of two thirds yeah. is, is food. But uh, ever increasing, fortunately, yeah. Which and is, is, great. is that? I mean, from my perspective, obviously, a lot of the food photography I use goes into and onto the packaging side of things. Do you find your food photography gets used on, on other elements, such as websites and editorials and those sorts of things? Yes, certainly. Yeah. I, um, probably my start in food photography was through packaging. Yeah. Um, uh, but now, more increasingly, people want to. Uh, not clients, sorry, are are looking for more of a web presence yes. and a social social flood in yeah. one sense. They mm-hmm. like to keep mailing something once a week or once a fortnight. Um, so a lot of the times, uh, well, so in one sense, there are, there are two elements to my food photography. Yes, there's the strong clinical uh, achieving a goal um, packaging side, yeah. which has to be you know almost the hard sell, the you know the succulent uh, finish, mm-hmm. and then there's the web and social marketing side which is a lot more in one sense sort of rustic more achievable homely it's a softer approach uh and they those can be more sort of fulfilling a recipe or giving recipe suggestions to a product we've previously sold um so it's it's actually just following on a story yeah which which becomes really nice you know it's it's a nice other route to take Mm -hmm. yeah so and, and just being around this amazing studio here the um, it's it's a, obviously a large studio here. So in terms of lighting and for your studio shots, um, now, understandably, lighting is vital to getting the right shot here. Um, how important is having access to a quality studio like this? Because I understand that some photographers will hire studio spaces, but you, you're lucky enough to have your own large studio space here with great access and everything else. And how importantly have you found that in the last few years? Well, it's a little hard because I've always been, I've been very fortunate. I've always had a large studio. Yeah. So I, as, as I took over the business to start with 
um, I, I, we were in a large studio, mm-hmm. and so it's something I was always used to. I would find it really hard to... Renting space. Uh, so. I don't know, yeah. having an office at home, yeah. and then having to hire a studio. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, having, I, I couldn't. No. I have not got it, so I, I, would, I think I would find that very hard. Uh, simply having the studio here gives you, obviously, you've got place to uh, spread everything out. Mm-hmm. There's kit everywhere. There's, with the space, there's backgrounds everywhere. Yeah, of course. There's plates everywhere. There's, um, I, I'm a bit of a hoarder for props and yeah. for backgrounds and bits of wood and bits I of love painted it. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, some great stuff you've got and here, so great services. Clients tend to enjoy that mm-hmm. because they'll, more often than not, like to come down here for production meetings mm. so that we can actually go through, uh, you know, as we're talking through something, I can pull something out from the side wall. I can pull a, a plate out from here. Yeah. Uh, and, and my clients tend to love that. Uh, well, funny enough, actually, just talking about that, as far as when you talk, when you're discussing these with clients, um, what I like to get involved in as a designer is the photography brief. Now, you as a photographer receiving these photography briefs from either clients or creatives that you're working with, um, what are the types of things that you'd like to hear from clients when they're providing you with a brief? Do you have a set format you want them to fill out or is there a certain set questions you ask them? How does that generally happen with someone coming to you with a brief? For example, you're talking about selecting props of certain aspects. Do they give you a sort of a, a detailed list of what they're looking for when you go and hunt it? Or how, how does it, just tell me, talk, talk me to the process. If, yeah. if a client's are talking to you and comes to you and says, all right, I want to take this particular They certainly know what they want. They, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't be in their position if they were turning up asking me to create something yeah. out, of, out of the blue. So yes, uh, they would always, always come with either images that they like or a you know, classic mood board yeah. if we're starting something fresh. Um, or it depends if it's obviously a packaging route then it's clearly gone through so many processes sure. before I'm even asked to get involved yep. that there's almost nothing I can change I'm simply fulfilling the next part sure um, but on on the more creative side it's it's mood it's style it's what 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 are we trying to achieve from this yeah. are, are, are we saying seasonality are we saying warmth and comfort or are we going you know are we selling an aspect on health yeah, uh, and nutrition, uh, and and so all the, all those cues will send you down a different path. You I know, if it's going to be fresh and summery, and it's you know, or it's outdoor barbecues, and obviously you you'll go down a garden route, or you'll go down yes. um, a su- summer style. So, uh, yeah, a lot of the time, really, okay. it's fulfilling a mood board. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. And is it something you you would like them to come down with prior to a shoot, and um, to talk them through? Okay, this is what I'm thinking. These are sort of surfaces I'd probably use. You might have some nice wooden tops, for example, if there's an outdoor barbecue scene. You might have a set of lighting um, rig that you might set up and mm-hmm. sort of, uh, set up for them to use. Would you discuss that with them prior to the shoot, or do they generally come down and say, "I've got this set up already"? Or do you send them sort of pre-shoot ideas? Um, a discussion, is, yeah. uh, essentially. Okay. It's, uh, obviously, they, they've got they've got their idea and they've got their target. Mm-hmm. So everybody commissioning has got a reason for it. Yeah. So there's a, there's an end point where they see it mm. being used, and therefore from that we can come back. You know, if if it's for let's say it's for an Instagram, a lot of clients now are using Instagram as an instant sell. Yes. Um, a lot of the time, you know, it's going Instagram, so it must be square. It must be, you know, yeah. we need an overhead view of it because that's of what course. everyone's, you know, yeah. culturally doing now. Uh, and 
a lot of those things do have to be ticked to go. Um... I, do you know, it's funny you should talk about that, the overhead of photography. That's something that actually came into um, fashion, if you like, for packaging photography probably about two or three years ago. And prior to that, people were really reluctant to use it because people didn't think it showed off the food in its best light. Um, now I'm finding, of course, it's, it, it's almost used in every, every um, photography element, certainly on a, from a packaging aspect. Um, is that what you're finding? It sounds like it is. I mean, the three-quarter shots on food photography is something that's becoming almost less and less. It's sort of... It's, the, it's, a, it's a trend. In, it's, in, it's, Instagramitis it's, it's, seems well, to have affected everything. It is, but, but I guess it's... I mean, you're relating... If you, I think that we, people are using it for, as the packaging style yeah. because it's the image that the world is used to seeing. Of course, yeah. You know, it's if you suddenly give them something that's completely different, yes, it would stand out and maybe jar your eye, mm. but it's not part of the flow of picking up, walking down the aisle. Yeah. You know, if you've got something that's, um, that you're used to seeing, it's familiar. Yes, it's friendly. Right. It's a standard, it's, standard it's, approach, yeah. of course. So, uh, uh, yeah. An overhead yeah, shot of a cake is going to be different it's from a three-quarter shot. You know, yeah. it's, it's not going to last. It's, you know, yeah. it's going to be... It's, it'll be cyclical. Something else will come. We'll go back Absolutely. to the three-quarter three yeah, yeah, shot. Three, um, because equally, coming with, with the overhead viewpoint, obviously, pretty much everything is sharp now. Everything yeah. is sort of all in focus. And it's, all, it's, it's actually all about the design. It's about geometrics of circles and the food and what glass you've got cutting in and yeah. you know making shapes whereas previously as you said we were coming at the three quarter we were going generally very shallow focus yes so you just got this pinpoint of you know the flaky cod mm -hmm. and you just split open and you just got you know a few bits to focus on yeah and a lot of diffusion and a lot of atmosphere but um they'll come back you know? yeah no <laughs> i agree i agree most people out there probably won't know what a food stylist is. Um, could you explain a little bit to the listeners what a food stylist actually is? What do they do? Well, a food stylist, uh, in one sense, isn't creating the best meal to eat. Yeah. They are simply creating the best visual meal, mm -hmm. which is very different. So the, the, the food stylist comes in, they're, they're working separately. You, you are managing the photography equipment, and to all intents and purposes, this is to, to, for my experience, and the food stylist is the person who... Um, dresses the food per se and they'll sort of make it look as appealing as possible. That's right. Um, yeah. uh, whilst you're also doing that in the photography world. Essentially, uh, as, as, a, as a route of passage, we would work, work with an empty plate, we'd, uh -huh. we'd build up a set image, we'd, um, we'd light, um, say it was a, a, a ready meal or something that we're photographing that day. Um, generally, we'd just pour something cold out or, or um, Onto, onto, onto the, our chosen plate, yeah. um, we compose, we light, uh, and we work out what we're going to pinpoint on, what, what are we going to pull out of this to hero. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's kind of done as, as the starting process, and then the, the stylists will then plate up, essentially. So obviously the, the meal that we have, uh, but pulling out the key components, so uh, a prawn risotto or something. Yes. Um, yeah. Those prawns will be possibly more visi visible than you would make as a normal meal. They'll be pulled out slightly. They'll be lightly glistened. They'll be highlighted. Um, if we need to show certain grains that are in it, or a, a vegetable element has to be here, you know, yeah. has to be put forward. They'll these these guys will turn up with tweezers. Yes, and, that's right. Uh, uh, Fine makeup brushes. And, yeah, yes. cocktail sticks and and all these little little tweaks. Yeah. That, make the liquids look lovely, 
um, clean, clean up any little marks on the plate, uh-huh. do do all the last minute dustings and that need to be done. Absolutely. And um, they're invaluable. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess from my experience, I know that I've had to shoot so many different types of foods, but some of the worst or the trickiest, not the worst, actually the trickiest, the trickiest have been ice creams, obviously because of the melting speed at which your shoot can look lovely in one, in two, th- two three seconds you've melted and gone. So you've got to almost style it so quickly, shoot it quickly, and then hopefully you've got the right shot. If not, you've got to redo it again. Um, cheese is another one, obviously, that sort of melts quite quickly because if you're doing pizzas and it starts to, under some of the lighting, certainly if you're doing close shots, it sort of starts to congeal sometimes. What are, are there any other, other foods that you've found can be particularly tricky to shoot? Well, in, um, going back to your ice cream element, there was a few, several years ago, ice cream was kind of never used editorially. Yeah. It was mashed potato. It was, you know, it <laughs> was right. different substances that were then coloured and um, wow. so that they had a longevity and yep. so that they, you know, could last. Yeah. But equally, that was when everything has to be perfect. Certainly the culture now is ooze. Absolutely, and is, yes. Is real life. Uh-huh. So, we, I, I will only use real ice cream. I yeah. will only use, you know, the real element. Yes. But we have the guys who know the optimum time to get out of the freezer. Yeah. They know how hot to get the scoop. Yeah. They know, you know, how to get that curl looking great. Yeah, and how long it's going to um, last. But it's also waiting for a drip and it's waiting for a bit of a melting moment. Yes. Because that, that is more appetising. Yeah. Than a cold freezing ice cream that's mm. got frost spray on it or something. Yes, you know, <laughs> as as was the. I love the that. Last. There were lots of we used to do um, cereals. Cereals, another one. So the milk. There was a lot of there was uh, there was a period where lots of having splashes of milk coming out of a cereal bowl was the sort of the thing to have. And of course, you try and do as much of that as you can uh, in the photo shoot. I'm pretty some of it has to be done in post production. But we'd use UP, uh, PVC glue. Um, Yes, you, P- 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 yeah, PVA glue. PVA yes. glue, that's right. PVA glue as milk. Uh, and we've used, I try, even trying to mix up with some of that with hair conditioner as well, trying to get them sort of a, a better consistency. Well, I tend to use fabric conditioner. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> more, more, you've got the benefit of it doesn't actually soak into the cereal. Yes. Whereas milk obviously is soon goes, goes straight into yeah, the cornflake. Absolutely. It starts to soak it. Yeah. You, you do get a longer a lifetime with. Um, I love it. What are there any other tricks that uh, uh, you used that photographers uh, would use? Historically, uh, classic is uh, a roast chicken will be um, essentially just painted yep. with gravy browning, fairy liquid, oh, wow. uh, a bit of honey or something, yep. just to give a coating. Because when as soon as you cook a roast chicken, lovely and taut when you take it out of the oven, but as yeah. soon as it's out, it starts to shrink and shrivel, and yeah. so you've got no life. <laughs> um, but, but going back, really, it's it's more real now. We, yeah. we do tend to like that little bit of reality rather than the perfect... Um, why is that, do you think? Why do, why do you think people are now looking for that more real, almost less... Because it's what everyone synthetic. does. It's because it's what you can relate to at home. Yeah. You know, you don't have a perfectly plump chicken. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. at home, you can relate to what you cook. Do you think it's those Instagram shots again? Because people are taking photographs of their own shots on that they've cooked in their own kitchens kind of thing. And there is this element to, okay, this is good. And even some of the cookery books... Um, of recent, um, thinking of example, Jamie Oliver is probably a good example of actually someone who does use those more rustic shots. They more, yes, um, 
less polished, if you like. There's a. Do you find they're easy to work on? The less polished. I think I think they're shots? more fun. Yeah. They're more fun, and I think they actually create more inviting imagery. Yeah. Because, not wanting to go back to it, but that ooze factor. Yeah. No, I know. Is is I do believe what ultimately everyone wants. Yeah. They want that comfort. Yeah. From anything, you, uh-huh. you know. If something that makes you smile before you uh, put it in your mouth, that's got to be good. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> I know what I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, retouching then, photography retouching, because I know that um, with this sort of let's say more real photography we're trying to are trying to achieve in some of our shoots, is something something like photo retouching is that something you, as a photographer, frown upon? Do you want to try and get the perfect shot without retouching it? What's, what's your sort of approach nowadays? Do you know, you sort of appreciate there's going to be an element of post-production in this shoot or you want to try and get it as complete as possible? Uh, retouching is inevitable. Yeah. Because we have the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am of an age where we didn't have retouching. Yeah. So uh, my ethic is to always get it as close to perfect as possible. Yes. But we have the ability to make it how we desire, yeah. shall we say. So... It will always happen. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't personally retouch, you know, per se, but I will enhance what I'm shooting if something needs to be slightly redder on the yeah. tomato or, um, you know, a, a little browning on the sausage mm. needs increasing or something, then that's something, yes, I will simply do. But um, it's, it's, it helps, yeah. clearly. It's, uh, you know, it's, it is a necessity now, I think. No, I, I agree. Because you do agree. need to fulfil. It, it's also, um, if you're doing a range of things, you actually need to make sure there's a consistency between the images. Mm. So if that's something that's gone slightly off, or you know, it can be tweaked back yeah. to correct. Um, equ- equally, uh, with, with, I think with speed of, <laughs> speed of production these days, yeah. quite often, I'm sh- if I'm doing a food shot that's selling a let's say selling a carton, selling a, a bottle of something, and then we've got a plated meal that that represents. Quite often, the bottle that we're trying to sell hasn't got the right label. Yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not up to date yet. You know, By the time these images come out, the bottle design is changing. Uh-huh. So I can quite often be shooting with dummies, and, with you. Uh, and you have to be careful of... So you, we can do the shot set up, uh, with the let's say the old bottle yep. in shot, it can have its shadows and etc. How it will sit within the image. Yeah. But once we've completed and we're happy with the food, we're happy with the hot element or let's say the the element that's going to die. Um, we can then well I do then clear the set but reshoot a maybe a dummy bottle yes. in that place or make sure we've got the shadows onto a plain you yeah. know, a grey bottle or something, so that there's something to retouch into. Mm. I mean, that's certainly becoming more more common. I, I guess that's same for range extensions, if you've got, or flavour variations, if you've got different different flavours of that bottle and they want to use the same background, it's just chopping and changing out, so... Yes. Yeah, yeah. no, that would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, clients attending a photo shoot. Now... I've experienced this a lot where I've had to attend a shoot and clients will come along with me to a photo shoot and just want to more often than not just experience the whole sort of photography environment and see what's involved. Um, but quite often they like to get involved to a certain extent and have a bit of a say, even though the design might have been improved beforehand, they have an opportunity now to, to change things. Um, what it was, do you have any words of advice for people who are attending things like sort of photo shoots or uh, anything like that where clients do have a heavy involvement in the end shoot or end shot? 
Well, I, I, wel I welcome clients down. I, I love to have their presence. And um, at the end of the day, they do know what they want or they know what they are aiming for as a goal. Mm -hmm. And things do change on a day. It can't, you know, nothing can be planned out yep. completely. Uh, and to have that decision and, and maybe for the client to see what a potential uh, problem is or what a potential issue uh, arises yeah. on set, they can experience what we're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, and we can all work through and make an answer together. Um, mm. there, is, there is a bit of a trend for sort of email art direction yeah. um, at the moment, which I, I totally understand because people don't have the time. Um, we've also got travel distances, yeah, you know, whoever and wherever anyone is. But it's a slow process yeah, and it slows things down and you you just don't get that, oh, we're here, we're here, we're here. And, yeah. oh, no, we've got to wait now. It's, you know, you do so need that email, email direction, what we're, what we're saying is you're on a shoot, you're shooting, let's say for argument's sake, a bottle of ice cream, which would be the worst thing to direct over email. But let's say for argument's sake, it's a bottle of ice cream. You need that shot approved quickly. You're what you send the shot via email to a client awaiting a response and sometimes that client doesn't get back to you immediately they might be busy on something else or maybe possibly even directing another shoot elsewhere or whatever it might be so the delay in that delays your day because you can't dismantle the photography set because you're waiting for the approval so i guess that's where the frustration comes is if the client's here in person obviously it makes the whole process far quicker in order to get the job oh done. that's right yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Now, I, I completely understand what you're saying. That's our email approval can be a bit frustrating. It is. But, but, I, but it, it's, it needs to happen because, yeah. as, as you just said, yeah, they could be art directing two, three yeah, shots in a it. day. And uh, busy studios, yeah, that's what you're... Yeah, no, for. absolutely. No, I, I can see that. But um, I think I agree with you. When you have a client here in person, and even the designer um, attending the shoot with the client, it's lovely for them to see it and experience it. And they almost sort of appreciate, okay, I can see the struggles you have sometimes when it's out of your control. If it is something where um, there could be a discrepancy in sizes of propping, for example, tomatoes might not be quite the right size as you anticipated on the shot. And you think, okay, we're gonna to have to play with a few things a little bit to try and make sure this all works. Or something might not be in season um, if you're shooting various different fruits or vegetables and one of those vegetables isn't isn't available for you so you've got to think of an alternative and you need to get approval for that quickly before you can get the shot done of course if the client's here it speeds the whole process up so you know i i am completely with you on that certainly on a let's say on a, on a recipe shoot if we're doing something it's the the finished result can be you know two different three different people's ideas yeah. there isn't necessarily a correct answer and mm. you know one client may like something looking this way and another it, yeah. so it, it can be difficult you know we can we can have a chef here a stylist uh, an art director uh, and we've we've fulfilled what we believe this wonderful casserole dish looks like yes. etc and someone come back and says oh well i thought there were going to be more peppers in it <laughs> or i thought uh, you know, you know it, it, it sounds yeah it sounds flippant but no, it happens got, all if, the if time. If they in their mind, yeah. or you know, someone just has a different idea of yeah. what the shot is going to look like, it can then scupper and then yeah. start rebuilding and stuff. You know, mm. so certainly uh, presence in the studio is uh, uh, it does make a big difference. <laughs> I mean, as you said already, there are times when sometimes clients aren't able to make it. They can sometimes be in a different country, for example, and can't get to the studio in time. What do you think are the ways in which we can minimise those sorts of problems? Is it a case of trying to get um, 
shots approved prior to like a, a pre-shoot photography sh- sort of day or uh, an experience where they can, they're receiving files and we, we know what we're going to receive roughly at the end of the day and there should be a minimum amount of questions asked and on the shoot of the day because we know what's going to be shot. So uh, what, what I tend to do is I will um, roughly roughly know what I've, how long is it going to take to yep. build up a shot. Or, you know, so I, I will actually, at the start of the day, I'll give my clients time slots yep. that you should expect something around half 11-ish. You yep. know, let's, you know, um, let's be there. Uh, sometimes I, I, I give them a quick call or text beforehand and just say, in, in 20 minutes, can you be uh, ready for a view? Yeah, and, um, no, that's a good way yeah. of working. It, 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 yeah. it, it works, but it's it's better. Yeah. No, no, I see <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> so just rounding up then, Andy, um, I think my last question is going to be, any any advice you've got for clients looking to select um, a food photographer? Um, what are the sort of key questions they should be asking I mean, for me, for, let's say ooze again. Yeah. Um, if we can create an ooze, and if you can see a photographer that understands light. Yeah. Because there has to be a direction, there has to be texture, there has to be soft and hard. Yeah. Lights playing. Um, there just ha- has to be an atmosphere. Yeah. I, I believe. So, if if anyone phones me out. out out of, well, not out of the blue. Hopefully, they have heard of me before. Yeah, no, of course. But uh, you know, when a new client's uh, approaching me, I will always direct them to my website. Yeah, they can, they can see. I often do it when we're on the phone together, so we can discuss, and I can direct them to this or not. A question with this one, or I can yes, I actually just show. I think you just need to have, you need to have some proof to show people yeah. what you can do because uh, with a final shot. It tends to be very quick. Yeah. You know, with with a with a food shoot, two thirds of the day is prep, mm-hmm. and then a third of it is is actually capturing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It's really, you know, the the actual taking of the photograph is is the quickest bit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's experience, really, isn't it? It's a case of, uh, for my mind, if someone were to just come to me and say, "Look, I'm looking for a food photographer. What do I? What should I be looking for?" I think, as you've touched on, it is experience. That do they have experience in certainly working in the similar sort of food areas that you're looking to shoot um, and also rapport uh, I've worked with you plenty of times and I know that that's extremely important the client has to be able to get on with you because during that day there's going to be uh, to and fro in communication and you need to know that they're talking your language they understand what you're looking for um, so experience rapport uh, and I think the other thing worth mentioning is the location so certainly with food having a food preparation area I think is vital I've worked on sheets before there isn't that and food stylists have had to bring their own little sort of uh, camping stoves and their own little setup so I think that's important so the fact you you have that for example here I think is a huge benefit well I, I do believe having your own studio is is a massive bonus yeah uh, obviously yes we have got all the, the you know the kitchen area yeah. and um, and there's loads of space for yeah, big access I, I have chefs that turn up with you wouldn't believe how many crates of uh, <laughs> things that they bring with them yeah but they love to spread themselves out, and if we've got this, we well, we do have that space for them to spread out, and it makes them comfortable in their mm. working areas. Uh, and also having the large studio means we can have two or three setups at a time as well. So we, an art director could be planning something else whilst we're discussing yeah. something. We can we can actually get two different things shoots happening at a time. Yeah. We've had um, we've had film crews doing slow-mos of the shots that I've already shot and then they'll come along and do uh, as I move onto the next set Mm. Um, 
There's a, a lot of spaces. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's key, it's isn't to it? Play with. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Alison, thank you very much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, how can people best get in touch with you if they were looking uh, to get hold of yourself? Uh, well, I guess the, the first place is my website. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, or Instagram. Mm-hmm. I tend to post quite heavily on Instagram. Super. Um, okay. Be the best ports. Okay. Once again, thank you very much. I'm going to put your contact details, uh, i.e. your website, Instagram, any social, other social media, into the show notes. So be able to get the people will be able to get those. Um, once they log into iTunes. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. We'll speak soon.